This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome to another podcast from InsideCarolina.com, the independent voice of UNC Sports. Brought to you by JohnnyTShirt.com, the go-to provider for all your Tar Heel gear. What's up, Tario fans? This is Taylor Vipolis, and you are here listening to my podcast. So first off, I just wanted to thank you all for listening or watching. If you like what we're doing here at Inside Carolina, be sure to hit that subscribe button so you never miss a show. And you could also help us out by heading over to Apple Podcasts and leaving a five-star rating and review. It's something that takes hardly any time, but we as a staff here at Inside Carolina would appreciate it more than you can imagine. Now moving on to why you're here, we've got former Tar Heel guard and national champion Nate Britt. First off, Nate, how great of a feeling is it that when somebody introduces you, it, it gets prefaced with national champion? Um, that's an amazing feeling. You know, we, myself and my team, my staff, you know, everyone that was involved, we put a lot of hard work and time into it. And that hard work and time paid off. So, you know, it's almost, I don't want to say it's as good as hearing doctor. If you're a doctor, again, <laughs> introduces that every time, but it, it kind of has that same, you know, ring to it how have you been doing amid this pandemic i know you were playing over in cyprus so how has this kind of affected you um it's been crazy it's you know some for the good some for the bad um i guess for the bad we were my team was in a good position for you know our league cup and you know we had received the first round by and you know, the first team we would have played, I think we had a really good chance to win the cup, and that would have been good for everybody. Would have been good for our standing in the league. Um, but obviously that got cut short, and we had to come home early. So that kind of sucked. I know it sucked for probably guys in college and stuff like that even more. So that that was that was hard, and that was tough, especially with the country I was in. Cyprus is an amazing country. It's beautiful. You know, and I wasn't ready to come home yet. But since I've been home, you know, I've had the time to, to spend with my family that we haven't had yet, probably since I was in high school. And so being able to, to spend that time with them and just sit together and talk together and have the time to be still has been great. Since your playing days at UNC, you've played professionally in Scotland, Argentina, now Cyprus, like you just mentioned. What has it been like getting to see the world while also playing basketball professionally? Yeah, it's amazing. And, you know, I got a taste of that when I, I played uh, for, like, the U18 Brazil. Oh, the USA team when we went to Brazil and competed out there. And, you know, that kind of – that experience was an amazing one that I really enjoyed and I knew that I would like. You know, if I had the opportunity to play overseas, I would enjoy that a lot. And I have enjoyed it. It's It's been so fun and so, um, 
you know, enjoyable to indulge in, in different cultures and, and different ways of living and and just seeing the different scenery from different countries like Scotland is, is it's you know, the UK so it's gray all the time. It's always raining, so it gets extremely cold in the winter. But you know, I was able to enjoy that and you know, transitioning from there, being in Argentina and even in Cyprus, you know, it's always sunny, the sun's up. In Cyprus, I was, yes, yeah, it's an island country, so you were surrounded by water. You're always pretty much on the beach and stuff like that. So, you know, I've been able to see different dynamics and, and different settings, and I, I've loved it. I'm going to have to come visit next year in Cyprus if from here and you're sure. talking about that. It's definitely <laughs> worth it. <laughs> But another thing that's changed since your playing days at UNC, besides seeing the world professionally, you've also started the uh, the vegan life. What came into that decision? And has that been difficult at, at all as a professional athlete, balancing the vegan lifestyle with kind of like your workouts and everything? It, it actually has. And it's not now, but the transition was extremely hard. And I guess what started it was what the health, and now it was, you know, the the movie flying around uh, that everybody was watching. I think my senior year, around the time I graduated in 2017. And that pretty much scared me into being a vegan. And so, or trying it at least, because I, I didn't go vegan after that, but I tried it. And it just, I wasn't able to do it at the time because I, I kind of cold turkeyed it and went from, you know, 100 to zero, which my body wasn't used to, so I, I wasn't able to sustain, you know, the, the energy that I needed to get through, you know, just a simple workout. And, you know, I had to go back to eating the ways that I was before that, and it piqued my interest, though. And so, you know, I, I started to, to research, you know, the effect of different kinds of foods and, and stuff like that, especially on athletes. And... and I learned different things. I learned a bunch of different ways to make that transition. You know, I learned some of the things that or nutrients that you may be missing out on by not eating, you know, uh, maybe certain meats or dairy or, or anything that, you know, you got to cancel out when you decide to go vegan. And, you know, throughout that process, I, I don't want to say I perfected the best way to do it but you know I figured out how it would work for me and so about a year now close to a year I've been you know pretty much vegan and haven't had you know any diet outside of that and you know it just took that time from 2017 <laughs> to now to just you know really figure out how to do that. That's that's interesting to hear but I wanted you to take us back to a young Nate Britt growing up in the DMV. I've seen articles where you were saying you wanted to go to UNC back in like your middle school days. When did you know that you wanted to go to UNC and how'd you come up with that decision? Um, so my, my dad is from North Carolina. He grew up in LaGrange, North Carolina, which is, you know, most people are familiar with Kinston, but it's the, pretty much the same area. Kinston was a rival high school, I think, when he was growing up. So even though I was from D.C., I had family in North Carolina, and that made me, you know, instantly grow up a Tar, grow up a Tar Heel fan. That 
2005 team was probably the my favorite team ever, like in basketball ever, whether it be NBA, high school, college, whatever. That was my favorite team ever. And um, pretty much since then, it was – if I can go to the school, if I'm fortunate enough to, to go and play basketball there, that I would do that. And so, you know, just, just throughout my, my career, I've – God has blessed me with – you know, the talent and different opportunities to put me in a position to be able to go to UNC. And luckily I was able to do that. Can you tell us about the first time you remember meeting and speaking with Coach uh, Coach Williams? Oh, the first time. Hmm. I have no idea, to be honest with you. Um, I think the most impactful time mm. Was was probably when I was in his office. The the first most impactful time was when I was in his office. Um, I think it was after they had offered me a scholarship, and we had talked about that a little bit. Talked about you know really what he saw in me as a player and and how I could benefit the program and stuff like that. Because uh, I w- I was ready to pretty much be done with the recruiting process. I, I did commit pretty early, which was the beginning of my junior season in high school. And I, I just wanted to be done. I, I don't know how the recruiting process is now with the parameters of calling kids and stuff like that, but it was hectic then. And the amount of time that was being put towards that, it was a lot of pressure and I just wanted to be able to play. and. Like I said, we we had that conversation, and I was, you know, really at the point of wanting to be done with school. And so, you know, we talked, and that combination of me having that conversation with him and, and our my unofficial visits to the campus and stuff like that, I, I was sold, and I, I was ready to, you know, become a target. I want to get to the bottom about one of the folklores around one of your visits. I'm not sure how well known it is to fans, but I know there's a famous pickup game among UNC players. When you came in as a recruit going up against Kendall Marshall, can you tell us about that game and what went down? Was it was it true that you were giving him buckets? Um, I, I do remember being there playing. And uh, – I think I did give Kendall a fair share of buckets and some of the other guys on the team as well. But I, I remember playing with with Hook, with John Henson, and for some reason I wasn't nervous. Like, these are guys that, you know, I was watching on TV all the time, and I think that Slam magazine had just came out when they were all on the front and the UNC jerseys wearing the, the cool grays and – you know, like I'm idolizing these guys, and, but for some reason I, I didn't really have that nervous energy when I was there. And I think I was on John Henson's team. And we ended up, I think we might have lost one game the whole day, and I was pretty much running the show. So um, that that was enjoyable, and and it just felt good that you know I had it had been confirmed that I could kind of hold my own against against these guys that I idolize and look up to every day. And it, it was just a fun experience. That trip was amazing. I heard people were going up to coach and was like, you got to make sure this kid's a target. <laughs> That's what I can't, I can't speak on that. I did hear that. Um, I do remember, you know, Shamar Williams being there and, and him really giving me that good size. All my people from the DMV you know what that means. But um, I, I did hear that, you know, some people were saying that. I think John did say that because we were winning the whole day. And he was like, yo, we, we just ran the table. I need him here at UNC. So 
I did hear about it. I didn't see it, but I did hear about that as well. Your recruiting class was you, Kennedy Meeks, and Isaiah Hicks. What was the relationship you guys had like back then? Back when we were all in high school? Yeah, and how did you see it kind of develop? Yeah, um, it's crazy because we none of us are really that close. I mean, if you know Isaiah, you know how he is. Man. His head is down at all times. So it, it was hard to, you know, really connect with Isaiah then. And we had played together at – Adidas Nations, they had a few camps. And so I think we were both Adidas kids, and we were at that camp all the time. But Isaiah played basketball, and then he was, you know, out non-existent after that. And so um, it wasn't too much there where Isaiah, we just knew each other and had crossed paths a lot. And Kennedy, when I had went to Oak Hill, one of Kennedy's closest friends, Darius Thornwell, went to Oak Hill with me. And so, you know, we kind of had – a relationship through Sundarius. And I remember Kennedy considering some other schools and, and I think Georgetown was one and some other places. And I, and I was already committed. And I just remember, you know, every time I saw him, like, bro, you got to come to Carolina. Like, what's, what's the hold up? What are we waiting on? <laughs> You're the last piece. It's already me and Isaiah. Let's go. And so, um, but, but that was really it. And then, I, you know, obviously as we got to school, everything changed and you know I'm still close to Kennedy and Isaiah Kennedy is, is my best friend now and so you know our, our relationship really transformed when we got there those two were McDonald's All-Americans coming in did you feel like you were kind of slighted that you should have been on there when you kind of saw those rosters come out um no I didn't because I understood it especially with you know, my, my junior season, I played extremely well when I was at Gonzaga, but going to Oak Hill and, you know, tearing my meniscus and, and missing pretty much that whole season. And and I think the the first couple of games that I started out, my stats weren't amazing or weren't, you know, jaw-dropping, not as they were at Gonzaga. And so, you know, I, I wasn't too upset about it because I understood. I, I know there's been guys who have been hurt who still made the game, but you know, being I didn't have anything to really show for my senior year, it, it made sense. But, you know, it, it didn't bother me because I, I knew I belonged. And, you know, especially talking to Coach Williams, even after that injury and stuff like that, you know, and having the confidence that he still had in me as a player, you know, that that was all I needed. Having been through it all at UNC and you came out of it with a national championship, What's the best advice you could give to the incoming freshmen who are kind of coming in the same way you did, wide-eyed and not really knowing what to expect? Man, uh, that's tough because it's, there's so many different aspects of adjustment when you're coming in as a freshman. Like, one, Carolina being, you know, the best basketball program in the nation, it's not like – like you're not just coming to play basketball, you're coming to represent that and all that UNC is, not as a not just as a player, but as a, a student athlete. And I think the best thing I can say is find a senior or find a junior that has that you feel like is where you want to be or exemplify the, the things that you want to exemplify as not only on the court but off the court and just try to get under their wing as much as possible. Um if you have one of those guys, they'll, they'll help navigate you through everything. And 
you know how Carolina is a is a family, it's a brotherhood, and that's in all aspects of of the university. So, I think that's that's the best advice I could give you because just just one thing wouldn't cover everything. I think that's the only thing that will cover everything that you might go through. Coming into UNC, you started as a true freshman your first 16 games. What was that experience like when you're getting thrown into the fire right away? It was crazy. I mean, and like you said, it was thrown into the fire right away. Like, I think one of those games was against Louisville, and they had Russ Smith when he was – I think he was a senior at the time. and You know, he was putting up 30s and 40s regularly. Um it was a lot of different, a lot of different things to handle, but and it was fun. I enjoyed it. Like, and it was, you know, cause Robinson had to really put it in perspective for me because I do feel like I was putting a lot of pressure on myself because I wanted to do the best that I could to, you know, to represent the university and, and the team, you know, the best way possible. And, you know, he told me, enjoy this. Like, this is your dream school, and you're coming as a freshman, and you're starting. So enjoy this time. Like, just just take it all in and embrace it and enjoy it. And, and I was able to do that. And, you know, even though we had some ups and downs, like, we, we had some, some pretty bad losses um, during that time. But we also had some really big wins as well. So, you know, I enjoyed it. It was fun. I'm always curious to hear about the stories of, you know, where you got your jersey number from or why you chose to wear it. So why did you choose to wear zero? Because that seems like a, a pretty unique number. Yeah. Um, just growing up in the D.C. area, it's especially playing basketball because that's our number one sport. And we have so much talent and, you know, people who are so highly skilled coming out of the area. It's really a dog eats dog world for youth basketball in, in that D.C. area. And so, you know, I had a lot of people against me and a lot of people telling me I wouldn't, you know, be able to achieve certain things. And so that, that number was always a reminder of that. It was always that no nobody's with you, nobody's on your side. I mean, outside of obviously my family and close friends and stuff like that, but nobody thinks you can – you can go to Carolina or nobody thinks you can be all that you want to be as a basketball player. And so I, I kind of wore that number as a reminder and always played with that chip on my shoulder. And, you know, I, I really did have grown adults. Like I, I can remember a grown adult coach telling me, you'll never be on this level. You'll never play high major basketball. You'll, you know, everyone telling me things that I couldn't do. I remember when I was going to high school, like, you know, getting told that, even though as good as I was and I was still, you know, on that radar of being, you know, a really good player in the area and in the nation, it, there was coaches telling me, like, you, you're too small, you're too skinny to play on the varsity level. And this, that, and the third. And, you know, I end up playing varsity as a freshman, end up making a game-winning shot in one of our games in the in the Iolani Classic, the uh, the tournament in Hawaii, the Nike tournament in Hawaii. So, you know, I was still able to to do and accomplish a lot of things that I wasn't expected to. And that's partially because, you know, I kept that reminder with me at all times and played with that chip on my shoulder. That kind of ties into the next question that I wanted to ask you where, you know, one of the negatives to playing at North Carolina is you're always in the spotlight. And because of your status on the basketball team, 
people feel that they either, you know, have the right to talk about you or, you know, tweet at you negatively or message you on social media. How challenging was that at times having to deal with all that? It was extremely challenging. I mean, especially for a guy in my position where you're, you don't have the biggest role on the team and you're not the, I guess you could say one of the star players, but you do have a role on the team and you do impact the team. Um, you know, it, it's kind of that middle ground where it's just enough for you to always be to blame or you to always be the person that a lot of people want to come at for some of our, you know, losses or misfortunes as we play through the season. So, you know, it was extremely tough for me and people get extremely disrespectful. And, you know, this, you just got to remember that you represent the university. So you can't really react or respond in ways that, you know, wouldn't be the best representation of everything you're representing. And so, but that was hard. Like, there's a lot of time I wanted to, you know, to clap back at people. I'm like, bro, pull up to the school. You know where I'm at. If you're in North Carolina, we can get this game in one-on-one. And I don't play for free. So come and let me take all your bread. Like, it, it was it was tough. And like I said, growing from that, growing up in that D.C. area, it's that dog-eat-dog-eat-dog dog, world. And I was, I've always been extremely competitive. And you know, as in the DC area, we say we don't we don't duck no bump. And so, you know, if, if people are talking to me any kind of way, then I'm I'm gonna be ready to play you. And you're gonna have to show me what you're talking about. And so that's that's always been how I felt about it. So it was extremely hard. On the opposite side of that, what is it like being on the stage at North Carolina and you have kids coming up to you saying that, you know, you're their favorite player or along the lines of kids looking up to you? Yeah, that was that was crazy, to be honest. I, like, I never would have imagined that somebody would say that to me. And, you know, I got it in high school, obviously, because I, you know, had certain accomplishments and stuff like that. And so a lot of kids want to go and play in North Carolina. And I could see it happening because of that. I'm like, okay, that makes sense. Like, I want, I'm going to North Carolina. A lot of people want to go to North Carolina. I can see them saying I'm their favorite player. But being at Carolina, like I said, not being in the biggest role and, and people still saying that, um, it just felt great because you you have so many people appreciate the things that you do for the game. And, and that means they appreciate the time that you put in, they appreciate the hard work that you put in. And, you know, they aspire to – to reach the same accomplishments that I have or that we have. And it was a great experience. It was, it was just amazing to hear that. And it, it was always more motivation, you know, to keep working hard, to keep pushing and to, you know, continue to do my best job as far as being a student athlete, because now when people are saying that I'm not just, I'm not just playing for myself. I'm not just playing for the program. I, I'm playing for every kid or every person that's telling me, you know, I'm their favorite player at this point. I have a duty to be the best that I can for them as well. One of the most interesting storylines from your four years at UNC is after your freshman year, you switch hands on your jump shot. I've read that Roy is the one that suggested it to you and to your dad. What went behind that decision? Um, I guess it was me just joking around and shooting with my right hand. 
you know, and pick up and and sometimes like after practice and stuff like that. And Coach Williams had known that I've always done that, that I grew up playing basketball like that. And in fact, I, I sent him, I think it was after I committed and I had already signed to go to Carolina. I had sent him a video of when I was 10 or 11 years old and the videos of me working out and on the video, you know, on the left side, I'm shooting with my left hand on the right side, I'm shooting with my right hand and I'm doing it extremely well. And so, you know, he's always known that I've been able to do that. And like I said, uh, around after practices and sometimes in pick up, I would joke around and do it. And I don't know, I think one day he might've saw me doing it and it just, you know, he kind of pulled me to the side. We talked about it. We talked to Coach Davis about it. And then we talked to my dad about it. And we were like, you know, I'll just, I'll work on it in the summer and we'll see, we'll see how it goes. We'll see what happens. And I think after maybe a couple of weeks, I did it. And Coach had liked it. I liked it. My dad liked it. Coach Davis liked it. And we decided to kind of go forward with it. And so, you know, all summer I was working because it was, there was no way I was going to come out my sophomore year and have switched hands and it'd be terrible. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I was in the gym, I was on the gun, getting up 500 mates a day. I put a lot of time into being able to make that transition because I hadn't used my right hand in, in game situations really since middle school. And so even though I could do it, it's a whole different, whole difference to it of, you know, playing full speed, being able to catch and shoot and dribble off the bounce and stuff like that um, and do it, you know, well, especially on the college level at the best program in the nation. So I needed to put in a lot of work. Yeah, I can't imagine how much work that that took you that summer. And along those lines, I remember one time I was talking with Marcus and he was telling me how he was able to get off layups at such diff, uh, at such difficult angles. And he said that you and him would be working in the gym for hours for all kinds of different situations like that. What was it mm-hmm. like playing and learning from a guy like Marcus? Oh, it was great. You know, I got to be able to see, because I obviously know how much success he had at Carolina and how much he was doing for our team my freshman year. Like, he had to do so much for our team, and he was doing it, you know, on the ball extremely well. I can't even describe what he was doing because it was amazing to me to watch. Even though, like, I'm alongside him playing with him. It, it was crazy. And I've always been a player on a point guard, and he was scoring the ball like crazy. And I had never seen that firsthand from – a point guard and it, it was just crazy to see that perspective to see someone in my position be able to score like you know as one of the best scores in the nation which you would only expect a you know pure shooting guard to do but he's he's a point guard and he's doing both so you know that was one of the things I got to learn from him and, and learn I learned how he worked you know I learned how he prepared himself and, and you know everyone has their own way Everyone does things differently. And so I was able to see what he did. He was able to see what I did. And we were able to combine some of that stuff and and work that way together. I'm curious to get your take on this. When, you know, you go to college basketball, everybody wants to be the star, especially when you're a highly recruited guy going to North Carolina. But when you're Mm -hmm. at Carolina, sometimes you have to sacrifice parts of your game for the team. 
what was that like for you finding your role and adjusting to it when you when you did find it yeah um I think finding it was pretty tough but because as a freshman you come in you don't know what to expect and your vision of where you're going to be is in one place and obviously the the team's vision or the vision for the team is in a, it may be in a different place and so you know, once that is realized, you just kind of got to accept it and, and understand that this is for the greater good of the team. And, you know, you go to Carolina to win a championship. And so, honestly, for me, if we weren't winning a championship or I was if I didn't choose this university, it would have been a lot harder because, you know, if if we're not good enough to win games, what am I sacrificing? my my role for to not win games and so you know there there was a lot of different schools that I could have went to and if I went to those schools it would have been better for me individually and I probably would have never won a championship so you know when I chose Carolina that's what I chose it for I chose it for winning a championship and being able to play, you know, in the best games at the highest level, night in and night out. And when it was time to make those sacrifices or accept that role, it, it wasn't too hard for me because I had that to keep in mind. It was hard and, it, and, it, and there's a, a lot of trials and tribulations with accepting that role and doing the best that you can. But I had to keep in mind that I'm here for a bigger purpose. I'm here for a bigger reason. And I, that bigger purpose and reason is for us to be the best team in the nation and to win a national championship. And, you know, in doing that, I was able to be the best that I could be in that role. And that is something extremely hard to do. That I think that's a lot harder than being the best player on the team or being a player who might not have too much of an impact or doesn't play at all because you're in that in-between and you have to figure out how to be the best of being in between that that those two positions and so like i said just keeping that in mind it was able to i was able to push through and and be the best that i could and i had a great coaching staff and great teammates you know and my staff has always reminded me my importance and you know coach williams even you know talked to me and pulled me to the side a few times and, and talked about like you know this this game you we would have lost that game without you you know, you really kept us in the game or, you know, we didn't have anything going in and you made, you know, six plays in a row for us that were, if, if you weren't here and we didn't have you on the team to be able to do that, we would have lost this game. And that happened a lot of times. And, and I always had, you know, my staff and my teammates reminded me of that. If I got to a low point and didn't feel like I was significant, you know, part of the team as well. So that helped too. And winning a national championship helps. Something like that, right? <laughs> of course. Of course. <laughs> All right, Nate, I wanted to take a quick break here so I can remind everyone about Johnny T-Shirt. As a locally owned business to Chapel Hill, they need your support more now than ever. They're always having sales over there, so you can be sure you're getting the best price on the best Carolina gear. We're all at home right now watching the Last Dance documentary, so why not get a Carolina MJ jersey? Because after all, that's where Mike became Michael. Johnny T-Shirt has got you covered with whatever you could want when it comes to Carolina apparel and their customer service can't be beat. And don't forget, Inside Carolina premium subscribers save 10% off their orders. All right, Nate, 
you know it's something that we have to unfortunately talk about the 2016 national championship game where your adopted brother Chris Jenkins hits the game winner what was that dynamic like after the game where your brother's greatest greatest success came at the hands of your team's shortcomings it sucked a lot and not only because we lost, but because I'm super competitive and Chris and I have always been competitive. And, you know, he has that one up on me forever. And so, you know, I can say I went to two, I went to two national championships. You only went to one, but he can always say I beat you. I can never <laughs> say I beat him. And that's not, you know, I can't even say we beat him in a normal game. Like the only time we ever played each other, he won. And, like I said, we're super competitive. I, I remember, you know, we would compete in high school. We're on the same team, but we're trying to score more than each other. So we, we had a crazy competitive relationship. So that part of it really sucked. It still sucks to this day. But it is what it is. Um, but at the same time, I was happy for him. You know, if, if Villanova was going to win any kind of way, as bad as it hurts all of my Tar Hill family to say this, you know, I'm glad that they won by him winning the shot. I mean, him <laughs> making the shot and winning the game in that way because, uh, you know, it was a success for him. And, and any anything that's a success for him is a success for, you know, our entire family. If if Ryan Archidiakno made the shot, it would have been way worse. So <laughs> I'm glad that it was him. Do you ever talk about what if he, he missed the shot and you guys go to overtime? Because I don't think there's any doubt UNC wins that. Oh, yeah, for sure. For sure. We we talked about it that night and we, we talk about it all the time. And he knows, he you know, he said it himself. I didn't even have to say it the first time we talked about that. If that game went overtime, we were going to win the game. You know, we had much momentum coming back from that, that deficit going into the last, you know, minute, minute and a half of, of the game. Or we knew if we went in overtime, that momentum was going to carry us to a win. And so, you know, that, that's part of the reason why he felt like he needed to make that shot. He did just that. <laughs> and is it true that Chris would come with you in ch to Chapel Hill that summer? And if, if that's true, what was it like having him around where he had just broken everybody's heart? Um, he did come. He did come around Chapel Hill. And it was – because at the end of the day, Chris is my brother, and I know it hurt everybody, but it's you know it's a competitive game. And at the end of the day, you have to be able to compete with people, and no matter the outcome, you know, not let it destroy any bonds or relationships that you've had that you have. And Chris has had a relationship with you know the entire Carolina team because he's my brother. It's not the first time he's been on campus at Carolina and been around the guys. So. You know, I just had to make sure it was fine with the team and make sure it was fine with, you know, Coach Williams and our staff. So I definitely asked Coach Williams. I asked my teammates. And for the most part, all of my teammates were okay with it. Coach Williams was definitely okay with it. And, you know, when I brought him by there, the first thing I did was took him to Coach Williams' office. You know, I feel like that was the, the most respectful thing to do. And, the best way to go about it. And then, we, you know, we just did what we did and hanging out on campus and stuff like that. Luckily, I think it was in the summertime and not too many people noticed him. <laughs> Some people did notice him and had a lot to say about it, but, you know, we just kind of kept it moving. So, but it was still cool. 
it didn't at that point it didn't bother me anymore like you you gotta know that i've been with chris for a whole summer now and you, you had know, heard everything that he could say right exactly <laughs> i heard everything from everybody that's around the dc area that they could say as well so it's nothing for me at that point speaking of that summer i talked to justin jackson and he was saying how hard everyone worked that summer in particular with the goal in mind of the redemption tour what do you mm-hmm. remember from that off season heading into your senior season the most? I think the the thing I remember the most is it was either the first day of conditioning or the first day of weights. We all just kind of declared that everything we do is for, you know, this next championship game coming up. And so we established that and it allowed us to have a different mindset with everything that we were doing because, you know, especially as early as the summertime before the season even starts, you're lifting, but you're lifting just to lift. Like, yeah, I'm, I'm trying to get stronger and it's the third, but you're just lifting the lift. Or you may be doing the conditioning test, you're doing the conditioning test just to pass the test. And we had, you know, adopted a different mindset of, every single rep of every single thing, every single sprint was to win a national championship game. So we're doing it with a different intensity and a different purpose. And I think that set us up for the practices and how we approached every practice and how we executed in every practice and then to the games and then to the tournament when it came down to that time, because there was, there was a few games that we could have dropped. And we, we, I think that that intensity and that mindset that we adopted from you know, when it all started, pushed us through and got us over the hump against a lot of those, against those teams that we could have lost to. During your senior season, you went to Hawaii, your sophomore season, you went to the Bahamas. Obviously, when you go to trips like that, winning is the most important goal. But can you just Mm -hmm. explain to fans how fun those trips are for just the non-basketball reasons? Oh, my gosh, those trips are amazing. Um, (laughs) And and that's one of the things you really – um, don't take for granted with being a, a player at one of these big programs like Carolina's that you get the opportunity to see stuff like that and experience things like that. Like Nassau, the water is more is bath water. It's the most perfect water. You can see through the water. I mean, being on the beach and just hanging out there, it was a blast. And I, I had never been to a beach like that or experienced anything like that. We had, you know, they have the slides and the, and the, all the different things that you could be doing out there that's so much fun that, you know, we got some time to be able to experience because we are out there to to win and to play. So we don't get the whole time to experience that stuff, but, you know, just having a day or two to be able to do that was extremely fun. Like it's it's going to Nassau, Bahamas and, and Maui are trips that I feel like are a must. They are bucket list, you know, vacation places that you have to go to and, the fact that, you know, we were just a part of something and enabled us to be able to, to go and experience those things was, you know, it, it's something I've always been thankful for. Another thing I'd love to get your perspective on is for those of us who we only get to experience it on the TV or in the stands, but what is it like playing in the Duke-UNC game? Oh, my, it's amazing. It's There's nothing better than that. And, you know, I think some people might argue if they played in a 
some of my teammates or some of the alumni might argue playing in the championship game and that that Duke rivalry game, I don't think playing in a championship game and winning a championship, that just the game in itself is better than beating Duke at Duke. Like beating Duke at Duke is amazing <laughs> just because the atmosphere is crazy. Everyone thinks it's a big gym, it's a small gym. And the fans are crazy and it's so loud and so much energy in there and being able to overcome not just the battle of winning the game, but the battle of being able to play through that energy, that energy that's against you the entire game. Um, it's one of the greatest feelings ever. On Twitter, I saw that you mentioned that the players and the students that they hate NC State more than Duke. Why, why is that? NC State just doesn't get any respect from us. Like, and I, I'm sorry if I'm setting anybody up here, but to be honest, it, NC State's like the little brother. You know, the, the the big brother never loses to the little brother. And obviously there's some games that we lost to NC State, but, you know, NC State is, is just – they want to be a rivalry. It's not a rivalry. The rivalry is with Duke. Everyone knows that. But, you know, they're, they're, like I said, it's the little brother who wants to be in everything. You know how mom's like, take your little brother to wherever with your friends and – you know, our not our friend is Duke, but we may be going to compete against Duke and NC State wants to come along and be a part of it. That's just kind of how it is. They're, they're more so annoying than anything. And like I said, Duke is, is more respectable. That's a good word. In that case, Duke, Duke shows a lot more class than NC State does. And it's not always necessary to NC State players, but it's the fans like, we put at NC State, somebody threw a can of dip at me. There's a can of dip rolling around on the court. Like, that would never happen at Duke. And they're, they're, they have such a, a much crazier atmosphere where the fans are way more hype and, you know, a lot more is going on. But, you know, that's not a classy thing to do. You know, at the end of the day, why are you? And then, you know, I've, I've had heard fans cussing out, you know, people on our staff or wives and stuff like that. It's just, it's not a, everything that they do is not classy. And for the most part, Carolina and Dugar, you know, we, we hold ourselves with the utmost class and the utmost respect for everyone. So. All right. So your senior year, you lose to Duke in the first game and then you come back on senior night and you beat Duke. I think the score was like 90 to 83. I remember seeing how emotional was your senior night knowing you're going up against Duke and it's the last time you'd ever play in the Dean Dome. Yeah, it's weird because it wasn't too emotional for me, but it was a great feeling. Duke was at home. My first game as a freshman and we beat Duke at home. And I can remember being a part of that celebration where everyone's out on Franklin Street and you know, people at the fry houses are going crazy. And just to be able to experience that as a freshman and then going and playing senior year at home against Duke and winning that way, you know, everything just kind of came full circle. And, and it was, you know, I was able to be in that moment and just to enjoy that, you know, I came in the right way, I'm going out the right way. And, you know, the, the icing on the cake was just – you know, us winning that championship that year as well. So 
it was it was like I said, everything came full circle for me and it was it was no better way to to finish out. And you know, everyone is not that fortunate. Switching to the twenty seventeen tournament, everyone loves the tournaments because mm-hmm. of how intense they are, but you know, you could blink and just like that your season's over. What is that feeling like where any game could potentially be your last? Is that something that's kind of going through the back of your head? Um, yes. There were definitely a few games that I was going through the back of my head. But being through that so many times, you know, everyone's not fortunate as fortunate to go to the tournament every year. You know, if they're at, at school for four years, and I have been, and my, my team's were so you kind of get used to it and you get used to being in the moment and not really worrying about this could be the last game. And you learn how to use that, you know, if that thought comes up or if that feeling comes up to your advantage, because you you could very easily get caught up in that, in that kind of mindset and that kind of thinking and freeze up in a game. And I've even been in an, in an experience where, you know, I get so anxious and so nervous that I almost like I can't move on the court and or like I can't even dribble the ball right in front of me. And so, you know, we had that, I've had that experience for, you know, three years going into that last year playing in the tournament. So against Kentucky, when that thought came up, you know, I'm like, all right, we'll, we'll be fine. And, you know, against any other team, Oregon or Gonzaga, if that thought comes up, you know, like I said, you, you have that experience, so you use it to your advantage of, okay, I'm diving on every single ball. Um, you know, jumping as hard as I can for every single rebound because a lot of the game comes down to, you know, the want-to. If you have more want-to than other team. And throughout that tournament, I think you saw that we had that a lot and we won a lot of games that we could have easily lost. What do you remember the most from the national championship in 2017, whether it could be something from the pregame during the actual game or maybe in the immediate postgame? Um, what do I remember the most? That's tough. I would say there's three things that I remember the most. I can't just leave it at one. One of them is us warming up. And I think it's pregame, either pregame shoot around or – us warming up before the game. No, it's pregame shoot around. The day of the championship game. Theo is like joking around and he's throwing the ball through Coach Williams' legs. We are going through our shooting around. And, you know, it was just a representation of how we were so focused, but we were always loose. Like our, our staff always called it, you know, you guys are too tight. You need to be loose. You need to play loose. And we were, we, we were a fun team and we were we were always a fun team we were always better when we played fun and we kind of chill and and not put too much on the situation and you know that that one thing that he did was just a representation of that and the fact that we're here on championship day at shoot around and we're still able to have fun with this and not put too much pressure on ourselves you know it it transferred right over into the game and I think that's one of the things that I remember I remember as soon as the game ended against Gonzaga, everyone running on the court and just, you know, kind of embracing each other and guys crying. Literally the picture that you have right behind you on the wall with 
everyone hugging each other <laughs> and guys crying. And, um, that moment and then the last moment is us being up there on that stage and taking the pictures and Theo and I dancing and just, just that whole experience with with that because, you know, we had finally overcome it. It, it was the weight was lifted off our shoulders and it was like, we can finally relax and chill now because when we were in the final four, we were not relaxed at all. Like we had that list, but we were still on a mission. And it wasn't really like we were too much being in the moment of having fun as far as everything that comes with being in the final four, because it's a whole different experience. And I, I even remember, you know, cause Rob saying, Yo, you guys went to back-to-back -back Final Fours. You got to enjoy this. Like, people never go to a Final Four. And you guys have been a back-to-back. -back, and we're like, yeah, but we got to win this year. So we're still locked in. And, you know, that was the point being on that when We didn't have to be locked in anymore. I've heard about the 2016 team after losing the national championship, like the sad stories and like trying to go to Whataburger when it was closed. But what was the night like in 2017 when you guys win the championship and, you know, you're partying with people like Johnny Manziel, OBJ, Trey Songs, Devin Booker. What was that night like? It was amazing just because, you know, those guys wanted to be in our presence. And those were people that obviously we were looking up to who were, you know, on different levels where we wanted to be in, in their careers. So, I mean, just OBJ alone, the fact that he was at the game, the fact that he was, you know, really behind us and wanting us to win this game, and the fact that he wanted us to, you know, hang out with him or whatever, it, it was so cool it, because, like you said, that 2016 year coming back to campus, it was so dead. Like, it literally felt like everyone had just lost their best friend. and. It hurt us because as we were going to the next round in the tournament that year of 2016, you could, you could feel how electric campus was. Like, that energy was a different kind of energy because everyone was watching, everyone was tuned in. And so we bring back, and then energy is more. It's more energy. It's more electric. And then the same thing as we go to the next round. Then after the championship, we come back, and it went from, you know, like 100 to zero to no energy, no electricity. And I, I know for me personally, it hurt a lot because I felt like we had let our, our, you know, fellow students down, our faculty down. You know, I felt like we let everyone down. I was a part of the university. So that next year, being able to go experience that with them and then being able to come back to campus and then welcome us with, you know, open arms and warm hearts and that electric feeling to still be at that same level, if not more, if it was, I loved it. Like it, it felt so much better than this year. Going along those lines, you know, when you win a national championship and even to a lesser extent, when you win at Cameron, what's it like knowing that waiting for you in Chapel Hill is 20,000 people ready to party with you? Oh, that is, is, is great because when you're in the game and you're in the moment, you don't really realize the atmosphere around what's going on and not just in the gym but from the people watching from home to everyone on campus you know you, you don't really you're so locked in to just the court and the court alone that you don't really 
think about that. And so afterwards, when you're like, wow, you know, all of these people were like, were paying attention to what we were doing and they were a part of this experience. And then it's that embrace and, and you get to, you know, enjoy that feeling of we didn't just win like us players and us staff, but everyone won, every student, every faculty member, every alumni, everyone won that. And so it kind of represents that. And it it represents, you know, that you just did something like when you won the game, you won that game, not just for the team or not just for yourself, but for everyone that's a part of the program. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. To close the podcast, last question for you. What is the funniest Theo Pinson story that you could tell without anybody getting in trouble. <laughs> um, I've heard I've heard some ooh. bits and pieces of good ones. I've heard when he got sick at Chipotle, and I also heard something with the mile run. Somebody told me to ask him about that. The mile, I don't remember the one with the mile run. I do remember Chipotle. I was there for that. <laughs> that was hilarious. I, I still think the funniest one. To me, that I can remember off the top of my head because the Theo Pinson story, stories are, you know, um, there's a million stories with him. But the funniest one to me was the conference when, you know, he wasn't a part of the conference and he just walked in and was pretty much like, oh, y'all need me? And or whatever he did, that was the funniest one by far. And obviously I, I didn't see it till after, but. That was the funniest thing I think he's ever done. And he, he's always full of jokes and full of life. Like, Theo's the life of the party at all times. But that was the funniest thing. And so I am I guess I'm sorry that I can't give everyone a, something that they weren't a part of or didn't get to experience or see for them uh, for themselves. But that was still the funniest thing he did to me. Nate, thank you so much for joining me here today. I had fun catching up with you. We've got to get you over to a PVI practice if we can, when things clear up before you head back overseas. For sure. I appreciate you having me. and We'll definitely do that. We'll stay in touch. Thanks for listening to another podcast from InsideCarolina.com. Brought to you by JohnnyTShirt.com. Where to go for your next Tar Heel gear purchase.
Hey everybody, John Stewart here. I am here to tell you about my new podcast, The Weekly Show, coming out every Thursday. We're going to be talking about the uh, election, earnings calls. What are they talking about on these earnings calls? We're going to be talking about ingredient to bread ratio on sandwiches. I know you have a lot of options as far as podcasts go, but how many of them come out on Thursday? Listen to The Weekly Show with John Stewart on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.